Have you ever crashed a party? That's something strange to be asking the church. I didn't expect any amens. If, if we'd have been at a club somewhere, everybody would be giving high fives and talking about the parties that they've crashed. But here in church, there's silence when I say, have you ever crashed a party? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Gino. Hallelujah. Do you know what crashing a party is? So crashing a party is when you go to a party that you're not invited to. And you just decide, I'm going. It, it might be something like the neighbors that you don't really know, but they've got a jamming party at the pool. They've got burgers cooking, hot dogs cooking. And there's so many people there that they really wouldn't know if you came or not. So you just slip on your trunks, you go over there, you pick up a hamburger and a red cup, and get you some sweet iced tea. See, you never know what you'll get when you crash a party. Now, back in my old days, two lifetimes ago, when I was a police officer, I would crash some parties, but I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about the kind where you just make yourself at home. Now, in my adult life, I've crashed two parties. And both parties were with my youngest daughter, Emily. And both parties were at Marriott's. And so we went to a Marriott up in Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra. We were on a, a vacation there. They got this big, big banquet hall. And it was a reception after a wedding. And it was jam-packed full of people. And it was a uh, costume reception. Well, I had flip-flops, a bathing suit, and a T-shirt probably a camouflage hat, I had no accoutrements to be in a party, except when we walked out there, there were Groucho noses with glasses, and there were princess hoods, so Emily and I suited up. And I said, here's what you do when you crash a party. Just pretend like everything's normal. Don't act suspicious. And if somebody says something to you, you say, hey, how's your mother? How's your father? Or you better be careful because they may have died. So you say, how's things going? And you just blend in. And you go through the line and get some of those big tiger shrimp with the red dip. And we did that. And it worked. It was so good that we went back with our stuff and told my wife and family. And they just couldn't believe it. And one other party that we crashed, again, with my daughter, Emily, at a Marriott, but it was in Columbia, South Carolina, at the downtown Marriott, 
And it was the day after Christmas, the 26th. And we were heading to uh, Asheville or Maggie Valley, somewhere up there, because December is when my wife is off, and that's when we can take a week that the school is closed and just enjoy ourselves. And so as we're going up there, we stay at this Marriott. It's snowing and it's cold, and everybody stays in the room because it's the night after Christmas and all through the house. So Emily and I decided to go for a, a walk. Levi's, boots, camouflage hat, walking through the streets of Columbia, and we're coming back to the Marriott, which is downtown, and we're seeing activity everywhere, thinking, what is going on? And so we came in a side door, and we could immediately hear music. Average white band. Cut to cake. And then they immediately transitioned into Killer by Michael Jackson. So I told Lily, I said, we're going in. I said, we're going to go in this side door, pretend like, just blend in, stand against there, and we're going to listen to them do this set. And so we step in the door, and the function is a hundred black men. That's the name of the group. It's a philanthropic group of successful black men that have set up organizations to mentor black youth, to get them into business, to be their mentors in life. I met some of the men that night that were phenomenal. But I stepped in that door and Emily stepped right behind me. We leaned up against the wall. We were the only white people there. She says, how are we going to blend in, Dad? I don't know. And so we stood against the wall, and the lead singer looks over at me and points at me. I said, oh, man, we're getting kicked out. He said, are you who I think you are? I said, no, sir. There's no way that I am who you think I am, whoever that is. But I've noticed that people are coming in, and you don't have a drummer. He said, you're a drummer. I said, yeah, I'm a drummer. Where are you from? Daytona Beach. He said, come on up. we got to do the opening set. He said, we're doing an average white band cut the cake, and then we're slipping right into Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson Thriller. Follow my lead. I threw my camouflage hat down, got up there on those drums, and we started out. You talking about crashing a party? It was phenomenal to get to play with someone like that that were five-star musicians. Now, the drummer showed up late. And he took his drum, snare drum with him. We saw him walking down the hallway during the next set because he didn't want me playing drums. He, he said, uh-uh, this is, this is mine. You see, you never know what you'll get when you crash a party. Did you know there's a story in the Bible about crashing a party? And, and this person went to this party uninvited. It's in Luke 7. 
And there was this party at this Pharisee's house who we later find out his name is Simon. And there are a couple of stories in the Bible that are like this, but they're actually two different women. It was in Luke 7, 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Tables around, they had pillars, and they would sit on their arms and recline back with their feet behind them. It was a dinner party, a formal dinner party, where one of the Pharisees, as you know, the Pharisees were the lead people. They were in charge. And they had Jesus there to invite him to this dinner party, but really, through his whole ministry, the Pharisees were inviting Jesus to try to get something on him. And he went to the party and invited guests. And it says this, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating the Pharisee, eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She crashed the party. And not only did she crash the party, everybody knew who she was. She was a sinner. Most of the commentaries say that she was a prostitute. So she was an unclean woman who had entered into a Pharisee's house who won't even touch unclean things. They wash ceremonially so that they can be clean. And there she was. She lived a sinful life. And she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with that alabaster jar. You see, she knew her life and who she was. Just like I knew who I was when I walked in the ballroom in Columbia. I knew who I was. And I wasn't invited. And I went anyway. She knew who she was, and they knew who she was. It's funny how your stuff just follows you. Who you are goes with you. But you see, she went there for one purpose. As she stood behind him, Luke seven thirty eight. as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. I'm going to just stop there for a minute. She's behind Jesus Christ. Everybody there knows who she is, and she knows who she is. You see, when you encounter Jesus Christ in any way, any place, anyhow, anywhere, and you bring your sin with you to his feet, whether he be hanging on a cross or reclined at a dinner, even if he's not looking at you in his presence, you're bringing what you have with you. And she began to weep because she knew, she knew who she was. She stood weeping. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with her hair. And she kissed and poured perfume on them. She loved the Lord. She knew she needed God. She knew she needed the Lord. She boldly went in and crashed a party so that she could be close to Jesus. 
her Savior. When the Pharisee who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. You see, Jesus didn't have to turn around and see who she was. He knew who she was. In this verse, and through the eons of time until today, Jesus Christ is calling you to him. No matter where he is, he wants us with all of our stuff that we've got that we hadn't quite gotten figured out. He's calling us. And yes, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. You see, he came here on this earth for that kind of woman. He came on this earth for this kind of man and this kind of man and this kind of woman and this kind of person. That's why he came. Yeah. You may have to crash a party to get to Jesus. You may have to knock down some doors. You may have to go somewhere that's uninvited. You may have to let down your guards and get in a space that you might feel uncomfortable getting in to get to Jesus. And Jesus said to this, he said this, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Now, I want you to know this is in a room. Everybody can hear everybody. Everybody can see everything that's going on. Tell me, teacher. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Now, denarii or denarius is a day's work. It's the amount of money that you get for a day's work. So one owed 500 days' work, a year and a half. One owed 50, just a couple of months. And it says neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debt to both. Now, which one of them, he's talking to Simon, which one of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. He said, you judged correctly. You, you see, this woman crashes party. We don't know how big her debt was. But we knew, everybody knew, she had a debt. And she knows she had a debt. Then he turned toward the woman to her. And he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. You know when you're walking around in the desert, you're wearing sandals, your feet are going to get dirty. A lot of people take their shoes off when they go in someone's house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. Been to people's houses. We just went and visited uh, an aunt and uncle of my wife's. They're from France. And it is totally common. Kiss on the cheek, kiss on the cheek. Hug, 
very affectionate. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, and she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. How heavy is your sin today? How much does it weigh? How much is it pulling you down? I can imagine her pulling a cart behind her full of shame and guilt, having to trudge through the dirt to get to this party, standing at that door, waiting to go in, knowing she wasn't invited, knowing that women were second-class citizens in that culture, knowing that as she pulled that rope, harder and harder, it cut into her shoulders more and more, but she knew Jesus was in there. And she pulled that sled of guilt, shame, sin. And she went in. Knowing that she would be chastised when she went in. Knowing everybody would know her. Possibly people in that dinner party had been with her. She had to face every single person in there with who she was and what she was. How said, how heavy? How heavy is your sin? You see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how heavy it is. It doesn't matter how far you've taken it, how long you've had it. It doesn't matter what you've hid in the corner of your life somewhere that's really messed you up or that has gone with you so long, it doesn't matter if anybody knows it or doesn't know it. Because Jesus does. And as big as it might be, who do you think? Who do you think would love him more? Those with the most sin. He loves us. Because our sin is forgiven. Then Jesus said to her in Luke 7, 48, Your sins are forgiven. Don't complicate getting a relationship right with Jesus Christ. Don't complicate it. Don't make it messy. Don't make it dirty. Don't, don't make it too complicated. You don't have to have a 10-point checklist. You just got to bring whatever it is you've got. Realize who Jesus is. She knew who he was. She began to weep as her sins and everybody there, as she opened up and everyone knew what she was. Yeah, she boldly approached Jesus. And the scripture says this, the other guests begin to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins. Let me tell you, in case you wonder, Lincoln Brewster, he wrote a great song about who this person is. Who is he that forgives sins? Well, I'll tell you. Lincoln Brewster will tell you, and more than amazing. He's the one that walks on water. 
He calmed the raging sea. He commanded the highest mountains to fall upon their knees. He's the one who welcomes sinners. He's opened blinded eyes, restored the brokenhearted, and brought the dead to life, forgetting all our sins. He remembered all your promises. You see who he is? He's amazing. He's more than amazing. Forever our God, you're more than enough. He's more than amazing. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, she came there dragging sins, shame. Upon seeing Jesus, she began to weep, knowing that he was the only thing that she had left. He's the only one that can forgive our sins. The only one. Yeah. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Look, I don't know what sins. I know my sins. I don't know what sins you have. But Jesus does. And he's willing and able. He wants to. Forget your sin. I don't know if you've given your life to Christ or not. Don't make it hard. Just come. This week, just look for God this week. Look for Him every place you go. Think about what God has for you. He's got forgiveness. God's got restoration. He's got repair. Think about God has done for you. He's given his life for you. This week, be prepared to see God move in your life. In your quiet place this week, confront your sin. Confront it. If you've given your life to Christ, you're your sins are forgiven. But confront it and bring it to Jesus so that he can change how you operate in the world. Dear Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for your life-changing power. Father, for those that hear my voice, I decree and declare over them that your salvation is for them, that you came for them, that you laid your life down. You weren't just laying down in a banquet, but you laid your life down for us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. We'll have, uh, we'll have people here praying for you if you'd like. We'll be up front next week. I'm going to talk about an asterisk, if that's how you say it. Asterisk. Risk. You'll see what I mean. Amen. God bless you.